Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. All right, so that's missions, which is exciting, but I have something else to share today, a little bit about uh, something we can do to help ourselves and to help others around us. And I'm going to start with this analogy. Hopefully you'll follow with me through this. Uh, but I'm going to start with this analogy of how many of you have been around town, you've been to either Walgreens or you've been to, um, I guess you'd have what, CVS or Rite Aid here, you've got Fred Meyer, any place, Safeway, whatever has a, a pharmacy there, and you see these signs that say free flu shots or flu shots covered by your insurance or whatever. And you've probably heard, some of you have probably seen some of the statistics of how many people get the flu during flu season. But unfortunately, the medical, medical community actually says that only about 50% of people who get their flu shots actually won't get the flu. The other 50% get the flu. And in fact, Corey and I were watching the news last night, 18 million people in the United States have already got the flu this flu season, okay? And not only that, but you could possibly, the latest news is, there's two strains. There's an A strain and a B strain, and you could actually get two flus in the same season, and even though you had a flu shot. Now, that to me does not sound like a very effective vaccine to, to you. Uh, I, I, it doesn't uh, to me. So let me t give you just a little bit of a history lesson and a science lesson, if you'll stick with me here for just a little bit, about something that happened in the Western Hemisphere in the early 1900s. How many of you recall this epidemic that was called polio? Okay. A lot of us are too old to ever have experienced that firsthand. We may have heard about somebody or seen somebody that was elderly that had been through it, read it in the history books or whatever it may be. But polio was one of the most horrendous diseases in the Western Hemisphere in the early 1900s. It was a, a, an infectious, contagious disease that had symptoms that you didn't necessarily even know you had. They wouldn't even be physically present. But you could also be either temporarily or permanently paralyzed. You could be disabled. And some survivors were disabled for life. Some communities were devastated. And they had this visible effect of these people that were disabled that were on the streets and in their schools and in their businesses that just reminded them of this horrendous disease. But then in 1955, a research scientist, most of you are familiar with, Jonas Salk, came up with and developed a vaccine for polio. And from 1955 until, they, they had widespread vaccinations across the whole Western Hemisphere and the rest of the world. And in 1994, it was declared that polio had been completely eradicated in the Western Hemisphere. In a short, what, 40 years, that had been done due to an effective vaccine. Now, in 2018, there were only 33 cases identified worldwide of polio. So we went from hundreds and thousands of people being affected to 33 being affected due to an effective vaccine. So a little bit, that's the history, a little bit of the science, okay? So what is a vaccine? A vaccine is an acquired immunity that recognizes a particular disease. It attaches itself to a particular disease. And a lot of times it resembles that disease. It's, it's like it to a certain extent. And then 
once it recognizes it, it stimulates our immune systems to recognize and destroy the threat that it has to our bodies. And what's even more amazing is that vaccine then can identify and recognize and eradicate or destroy it even in the future if it ever sees it again. So you get this vaccine and pretty much you can say you're cured or you're, you'll, you'll never get that particular thing again, okay? So you think about what that did to the Western Hemisphere and how that changed us. And you think about other things, smallpox, measles, the tetanus, a lot of other things were identified as vaccines that pretty much eradicated or got rid of those things across the Western world. Now, that's something that happened in the physical world. And it's great that God has given us the ability to address these horrendous diseases with vaccines. But what about the spiritual world? What about what we call the disease, horrendous diseases in the spiritual world, which are just as real as the physical world, and we happen to just call it sin? What about things like selfishness, deceit, judgmentalism, greed? Those things that affect us and affect others around us. And guess what? If we really look to God's Word, I'm going to sell you on this today. Really look to God's Word. He's given us a vaccine for that. He's given us the most effective vaccine for those things. And it's called humility. If we could just humble ourselves to the point and receive what God has for us and be humble people, then we too can eradicate those diseases from our lives. You know, whether you consider yourself or I consider myself needing the full dose right now of the humility vaccine or whether you feel like you need the booster shot <laughs> or whether you feel like you need to have the booster shot periodically <laughs> in your life, I believe that God actually has a plan even though he sent his son to cover our sins as Aaron mentioned in the, uh, uh, in the offering there, in the idea of he came to, for us to be able to uh, cover our sins and protect us from the things of this world through his death on the cross and not have pain and suffering with him in heaven. That he also wants us to live a full life with the vaccine while we're here so that not only we will receive the benefits, but those around us will receive the benefits as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm just so grateful and thankful for the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today. I pray that He speaks through me to those in this room and those that are listening to this later, Lord God, in order to hear exactly what you're saying to their hearts and knowing, Lord God, the actions that they will take, the transformation of their hearts, the opportunity for us, Lord God, to make a difference in not only our lives, but the lives of others. We give you the glory and honor. Amen. Amen. All right. So I kind of set the stage there. But let me set the stage with this. Why would we need the vaccine? 
you know, probably that's the obvious thing, okay? You know, oh, well, I need to be more humble. I need to do this and that and other things. But why do we need this thing? Have you ever, I guess I'm not a, um, a very, a very adept at the whole social media thing, but it's hard for me to understand how certain people can have thousands, if not millions of followers just to look at them on a page on the internet or to hear what they're doing or what clothes they're wearing or what they're going what songs they're listening to or whatever that blows my mind that people would actually do that when in fact the opposite of what we consider to be humility you know in the culture today it almost feels like we celebrate overconfidence, entitlement, and this perpetual focus on oneself. Some would call us excessively competitive. <laughs> That's okay at times when you're playing tens <laughs> or, or when you're doing other things. But in a, as a culture, that's not a healthy thing. Some go to the extreme of being narcissistic, entitled, obsessed with their appearance, you know, I think that unfortunately in our society now, whether you have aware of those things or like listening and watching other people and what they're doing and those kind of things, that unfortunately that a humble person in today's culture is kind of outside the norm. I mean, when I was growing up, a humble person was a virtuous thing. That was somebody that you kind of look toward and you recognize and today, it's almost the opposite of that. It just seems so odd to me that when we see a humble person, when we see a celebrity or a, just because they're visible, a celebrity or an athlete or a coach or somebody giving glory to God rather to, than to themselves, that's like, oh, they can't do that or that seems so odd or strange or why would they do that? When in fact, that really should be and has been the norm in our culture in the past. So what happened? What happened during this whole time? It's kind of like the whole polio disease. It, it creeps up on you until it gets to be epidemic proportions, like it has become in, a, in our particular culture. So over the next, uh, well, actually, we had the, uh, when you're coming in today, over the next nine weeks, starting next week, you're going to have the opportunity to actually learn who God is and what God says we, who God says we are in this Bible study called Defined. Here's a shameless plug. For those of you who haven't signed up yet, get a hold of Rhonda because next Sunday at 5.30, we're going to start this walking through this journey. And what better opportunity, it wasn't planned this way, at least Rhonda and I didn't talk about it, is the idea that last week she talked about kindness and who we are, and who we can become, and who God wants us to be with regards to kindness. And then I've been thinking about and working on this humility issue for at least six weeks or so. So it's amazing how God puts all these pieces of the puzzle together just for you to be ready for next week and the upcoming nine weeks. So let's start, uh, first of all, with our first slide here. And let's look at what God says humility is, Okay. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. That sounds like a pretty good thing to me. I don't know about you. 
And the next scripture that's on there says, being humble consists of, well, I should say this, that being humble consists of trusting God and following his will. Talked about the will and and his will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. But most importantly, humility is recognizing the magnificent power of God and how we fit into that picture. And that should not be looked at as a negative thing or fear as in, oh, I can't do that type of thing. But he gives us the opportunity to succeed in an environment where we humble ourselves before him and we place the value of others before ourselves. And the other scripture that's on there says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I think this particular scripture is an excellent summation of the biblical meaning of humility. Because it's not about us, it's about Him. And it's about you, those around us that we interact with. To be humble, we must have faith that God will lead us in the best way and to avoid temptation. We are to put a complete trust in the Lord and not deceive ourselves with vanity or lust. We should lean on the understanding, wisdom, and divinity of God to show us His righteous path. And we should recognize that everything we've achieved and will achieve comes from Him. And that's what really godly humility is all about. The poet Tennyson once said that humility is the highest virtue, the mother of them all. Now, the non-biblical definition, I'm going to separate these out, okay? I'll give you the biblical definition because I want that to be imprinted in your brain to begin with. But the non-biblical definition of it has to do with having a low self-regard or unworthiness. And I separate these two because I don't believe that God wants us to compare ourselves to the world and think that because we're lower than other people in the world, that somehow we're humble. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to become leaders. He wants us to be able to positively influence those around us. He wants us to be bold and not timid. That's what God means by humility. The difference is, That he wants us to give glory to him and understand our position in all of that. He wants us to value others in the midst of that success, in the midst of that prosperity. Humility is a godly peace. I don't know about you, but sometimes it doesn't feel like peace. But when you know yourself, you know your limits, you know you're trusting in God on things, it actually brings a godly peace and confidence that's powerful and not weak. I hate to say this, but if those of you that have tried this before to become more humble, it's hard. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, it's not easy to, uh, to be humble. And if we could get a humility vaccine and not have to worry about any of these other diseases or sins like greed and selfishness, and judgmentalism and conceit, that would be the way to go. I'll I'll get that vaccine all day long. But if you're like me, there are just some things in life that you have to restrain yourself. (laughs) Because they happen over and over again. And and I'm going to say this from my own personal perspective. We'll see how many of you can actually relate to this. 
But how many of you have ever had somebody either misspell or mispronounce your name? Okay, about two-thirds, 75% of the room in here, okay? How many of you have corrected that person and then they continuously mispronounced and misspelled your name until you finally gave up at the end and just let them have it. They can just say whatever they want or spell it the way they want. You have no idea how many times I've been called Sprout over my 61 years instead of Sprout. You have no idea how many of you have names that could actually be a male or a female name and someone thought that you were the opposite sex. If you have a name like Lonnie or Corey or Chris, Kelly, you go down the list and, and people say that, you know, you'll be in a room and they call out your name and you stand up and they go, huh? <laughs> you can't be Kelly. You're supposed to be a woman, <laughs> not a man. <laughs> yeah, it's funny sometimes, but you know, I, I think of, okay, how about this? And, and I, Ryan's sitting in the back. Randy's not here today, but see if any of you else can relate to this. Though. How about if you have two first names? Ryan Dick, Randy James. Go down the list and somebody is calling you the opposite of who, who you are. You know, that can be, you know, it'd be one thing if it happened once in your life, but when it happens from the time you're five until you're 61, it gets just a little bit irritating, and it's hard to be humble in those moments. The first thing you want to do is teach them a phonic lesson or a spelling lesson. <laughs> do you know how to read? That is an A, not an O. Do you know how to pronounce this? Do I need to teach you how to do these things? It's really hard to be humble in those moments when you have to deal with it over and over and over again. Hmm. You know, I had a couple more examples here. I'll, I'll just hit on a couple of them, see if you can relate to these things. And, and this probably hurts even more because, you know, I've been through it. I, I get used to it. I, I guess I try to be humble, maybe not inside, but outside. I try to be humble when that happens to me. But, but what happens when your child, who has the same last name or has some combination of what I just mentioned, and they've been recognized for some award, in front of the whole school or in front of the stadium or in front of whatever and they continuously mispronounce going to a my son who was a football player and was on offense and had his name announced fairly regularly and you'd go to a visiting team you felt like going up to the announcer read I will tell you how to pronounce it do not mispronounce it 60 times during the game please <laughs> or even worse yet what can happen is, remember a child, or maybe this even happened to yourself, where you were awarded something, recognized for a promotion, whatever it may be, and it was a group of people in some form or fashion, and you were just one of the names on there, and you go down through the list, and guess what? Your name's not there, or your child's name is not there. Are you humble at that moment? <laughs> How hard is it not to be judgmental? How hard is it not to be selfish in that moment? What about examples at work? What if some of your peers got promoted over you? How do you act? What if you got promoted over some of your peers? How do you act? 
What happens when you didn't get the raise you knew you deserved because you know how hard you worked? All the examples that we go through in just our practical, normal, day-to-day lives that make it difficult and challenging to be humble. I get that. Because you understand what I'm trying to do here is we do need the humility vaccine. It is so hard to do it by ourselves. Without Him, we can't do it. We really can't do it. We need to turn to His Word. Yeah, have you ever been caught in a situation? I have to admit, I've probably done this a few times, where you're so proud of what you just achieved, and so you decided to self-proclaim, I'm the best at doing this or that or whatever it may be, only to find out somebody else raises their hand or a week later was better than you in that particular item. Ouch. The embarrassment that comes from that putting yourselves above other people and comparing yourself to someone else. And is it worth it? Or is it better to have the humility vaccine? What if you have an impasse, a conflict, or a debate at home or work or just with a group of other people? Do you have to be the debate champion? Do you always have to be right? Even if you are right, what happens sometimes? You lose. (laughs) In the long run, if you're not humble. You know, there's a Christian comedian by the name of Jeff Allen. He has a line that um, it's kind of fun to use every once in a while if you're a man and uh, you're a husband. uh, Because he said that uh, as a husband, uh, you can either be right or you can be happy. All right? (laughs) And he says after 25 years of marriage, he's never been right, but he's always been happy. There's some truth to that as an individual that we humble ourselves and not consider right as the only option. Humility is a character trait that takes a lot of time and effort to develop. Being humble allows us to continue to be teachable. We want to be teachable throughout the process because we know that our life is a journey. God wants you to understand, you're not there yet. You've got work to do. And so being humble allows you to stay focused on the journey and not your individual self-proclamation that you've now arrived at whatever that moment happens to be. You know, the effort, though, in developing ourselves and being more humble will not go unrewarded. And God has a couple of scriptures that I pulled out that address this. First one says, humble yourselves before the Lord and what? He will lift you up. And the other one, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. While there's several examples in the Bible, um, I'm just going to pull out one out of the Old Testament because I happen to like this particular character. uh, And I think there's a lot of things we can learn from his story. And that happens to do with uh, Joseph uh, in the Old Testament. And most of us, if you know, familiar with the story, know that he, you wouldn't initially think that he was a very humble person as a young man because he basically had a dream and told his father and his brothers, I'm going to rule over you, <laughs> okay? That doesn't sound real humble. But I think the rest of his life, if you read the rest of the story, that you see something a little bit different. He was sold as a slave into Potiphar's house, who was a second-in-command of Egypt. 
And he was known for his wisdom in handling affairs. And so Potiphar said, you're in charge. You take care of everything. Now, you're in charge. You're like the second in command. That's pretty darn good. You could let that go to your head. But then what happens next? Potiphar's wife says, whoa. And the Bible says this, not me. That Joseph was a well-built and handsome young man. That means six-pack abs, all right? Okay? And handsome. And she propositions him. And what does he say? He says, I will not sin against my God. I will not sin against my master, Potiphar, because he put me in charge of all these things and trusted in me, but I will not do that. And as a result of her deception, he ends up going to jail. He goes to jail, what happens? The warden puts him in charge of all the other prisoners. He's now the second in charge of the prison. And then he has a couple of guys, a, a cupbearer and a baker, and they have dreams, and he interprets their dreams. And one of them was okay, good, the other one wasn't, <laughs> okay? And it ended up that before he took credit himself, he said, I'm telling you these interpretations because God gave me these interpretations. It's not me. He gave all the credit to God. So unfortunately, the cupbearer forgets to tell Potiphar about what Joseph did in interpreting his dream when Potiphar was looking for someone to interpret. Actually, it was Pharaoh interpreting someone to do his dream. And so as a result of that, he spent two more years unfairly in prison. So then this cupbearer, who's now with the head honcho, Pharaoh, says, I have a dream. I need somebody to interpret this. And nobody could do it and, and all of his magicians and so on and so forth. So then the cupbearer remembers, oh, there was this guy in prison, Joseph. He interpreted my dream. You can, let's have him come and do it. So he comes and interprets Pharaoh's dream. But before he does that, he says, I'm going to give all the credit to God. So he gives all the credit to God before he commits adultery. He gives all the credit to God before he interprets the dreams for the cupbearer and the bakers. He gives all the credit to God before he interprets a dream for Pharaoh. And then what happens? There's a famine in the land after they've gone seven years of replenishing their supplies. And his brothers, who put him in slavery, come to the land to negotiate food. And what does Joseph say to his brothers? In Genesis 45, he says, Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then... It was not you who sent me here, but God. He gives credit to God in the midst of every single one of the things that happened to him in his life that we would all say, whoa, how can this guy do this? It would be easy for him to have pride, conceit, greed, judgmentalism, 
It'd be easy for him to be angry. It'd be easy for him to be unforgiving to his brothers. But he humbled himself over and over again to the point that the nation of Israel, if you recall, from that point forward, they flourished when they came to Egypt and changed and transformed history forever. And we still talk about and deal with what he did at that point in time. You know, being humble often leads to something even better from God, as we learned from this story. God's clear about what happens when we decide to get our humility vaccine or not get it. Here's just a couple of examples that I pulled out of scriptures. First one, it says, God opposes the proud, but does what? Gives favor to the humble. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all those who humble themselves will be exalted. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Let's just look at the humble part of those four scriptures. How would you like, if you had the vaccine, to receive favor from God? How would you like to be exalted by God? How would you like to have wisdom from God? How would you like to have honor from God? That's what the vaccine does for each and every one of us if we'll just get the humility vaccine. Now, I looked at, uh, in the world around us, uh, I just looked at some of the things that even this world would say about humble people. And a group of psychologists did a study just a few years ago, and they found some interesting observations about the benefits of you being humble to yourself, how, how that actually helps you. Some of those things were, they found out that humble people are better able to cope with anxiety about their mortality because they know who they are in Christ. This isn't Christian people, but people are, they have some understanding of where they are with their mortality and not anxious day in, day out about comparing themselves to others. Humble leaders are not only better liked, which is a good thing, but they're also more effective. This is in the real world. The humble, because they place less importance on self, exhibit higher self-control in many situations. And perhaps this is partly due to the fact that humble people tend to know their limits. Again, we know who we are in Christ. We know that we are not to be compared to others. As I mentioned earlier, humility not only benefits us as individuals, but it impacts those around us. And just like a vaccine not only overcomes the disease in the person, if you had a polio vaccine, then obviously that protected you. You had the vaccine yourself. But what happens if every individual gets vaccines? Other people don't get polio because it's not transmitted. It's an extremely contagious disease. If you don't get the vaccine, the humility vaccine, then what happens? Other people, most likely, won't be conceited. They won't be judgmental. They won't, won't be greedy. So it's not just about us. The more people who receive the humility vaccine, the greater probability that others will be able to fight these sins that I just mentioned. And as Christians, I'll say that we not only have the opportunity to do this because we're aware of it, but we have a responsibility because God has placed that in our hearts. 
So where better to get the vaccine information than following the example of Christ himself? And if we look at Philippians, a familiar scripture, we'll read through it. It's fairly long, but I'll read through it here fairly slowly. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You could stop right there. But what did Christ do? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he what? Humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father what an amazing example right there in one place all we have to do is see Jesus did it that's a pretty good reason why I should do it you know once we acknowledge and live like we value others above ourselves it tells us that actually our humility vaccine is working when we actually put others first. You know, I had the opportunity in my career in a large organization to be promoted multiple times, and the weirdest thing about it was, other than when I first came into the organization, the very first job as a management trainee, I never actually filled out an application for any other job over 34 years people always came to me and asked if I would do this job. And through that process, at some point, you realize, even in a large organization, that the expansion of responsibilities gets less and less <laughs> as you get closer to the top of the pyramid. There's not as many opportunities. And our senior leadership decided to have all of the executive leadership team do an assessment test on the potential for their skills to become CEO or chairman of the board or the highest possible levels within the organization. And as a result of that assessment, it was determined that my skill, my style, leadership style, was probably not the best to be in that CEO or very top tier. And what was interesting was there wasn't enough focus on achieving company goals, too much focus on working with people and communicating and doing the things that you would normally do at a lower level because you're at those levels. And I just continued to use those skills as I moved up within the organization because they worked and because I believe God led me and gave me that, that leadership style. And so I had a decision to make. Did I want to move that higher level in the organization, which had obviously its own worldly benefits from that, or do I stay who I truly am and who God called me to be? And obviously, I wouldn't be telling this story if I hadn't decided that I decided that I want to be who I want to be and who God wants me to be. It wasn't that critical for me to go to the next level within the organization, and I wasn't going to change who I am as a result of that. And as a result of that, what's really cool about it, and I believe this is true, when we talked about God has even better things for you if you are humble, is that 
the positions that I then went to that were lateral within the organization end up being blessed. Not only me being blessed, but the people around me were blessed. The organizations were blessed. The people were happy. It was, a, it was one of those things where God blessed the right decision in the midst of being a humble servant. So I believe in the principle that a humble person will be one with great achievements but who never has to brag about them. In fact, most of the time, it's the people around them that speak out on their behalf. Those are the people that speak for that individual. You know, sometimes humility uh, means that we don't always conform to the world. I just gave an, a practical example, and I'm sure you probably have things in your own life. But there's also a very familiar scripture that talks about this as well in Romans that says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The humility vaccine, again, the need for it we addressed. The benefit to us as individuals we've addressed. And the benefit to others we've addressed. But all this only happens if we do not conform to the world, but we look to Him for our guidance each and every step of the way. His wisdom is the source of how we live our lives. There's another scripture that says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, hey, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know, last week when Rhonda gave us all a kindness challenge, I hope that you did some of the things that were on the list there and you got the benefits of those things because if you did those things, I can guarantee you those around you got the benefit of your kindness. All I would ask you is that if you need another challenge this week, add humility to the list. How do you challenge yourself to be more humble this week? so that you benefit from it as well as those around you. I believe that humility, kindness as well, but humility is what we need to bring unity and not divide us. I mentioned earlier the need for this. All, you don't have to look very far, whether it's on the television, read the news, the internet, whatever it happens to be. You can get quotes from the highest level in the country to the people that you are your neighbors that are people that are struggling with this whole issue of humility. Pride, conceit, they're no different in the spiritual world than polio was in the physical world. You know, being humble is not just about benefiting us, but as I mentioned, it benefits others as well. I'm going to go back to that study, but I'm going to have the worship team come up as we close here next couple of minutes. You know, there, this study said the same, you know, had the, these, issues, these identifications, observations when they did this of how, this, how being humble benefited the individual themselves. But they also, as a result of the study, identified that the people around them benefited 
from those people being humble as well. And one of the characteristics of being humble is having a low sense of entitlement. Humble people don't think they're owed things. This leads to a less prejudiced view of the world, encouraging them to be tolerant to others and less defensive about their own beliefs. That by itself would change our world that we live in. We need less prejudice and less defensiveness on our own beliefs. We need to value others. Humble people are, on the average, more helpful than people who are conceited or egotistical. Unsurprisingly, humble people have also been found to be more generous. I don't think that would surprise anybody. Humble people may have better relationships because they accept other people for who they are, not who you think they should be. Humility helps people to repair relationships and build stronger bonds, or as I said, unity with other people. You know, that's what the psychologists say, but there were some benefits that I also found that were a little bit more slanted towards the Christian perspective. And I'm going to share these two because I think that they're applicable to who we are in Christ and some of the things and the reasons why we should pursue this humility vaccine. The more humble we become, the more desire we have to be servants and serve others. What a great opportunity as Christians. We're called to be servants, to serve those around us. Being humble does that. Humility helps in developing a repentant heart. I need a repentant heart. I need to be reminded. Maybe I need a humility booster shot. It prevents stress and insecurity that comes from comparison with others. With humility, you consider others more important than yourself. Even when you seem to be at a higher status than they are. And that helps you avoid stress, worries, and other effects by comparing ourselves to others. And humility keeps us humble to our leaders. That's hard sometimes when we think that they don't have a clue what's going on. (laughs) We know it all because we see it at the ground level. Why don't they just do these things? Let's be humble and submissive to our leaders. I want to go back to the uh, beginning where I said, what is a vaccine? I said a vaccine is an acquired immunity that recognizes a disease or attaches itself to a disease. A vaccine of humility identifies conceit, identifies judgmentalism, identifies pride, attaches itself to defeat it. But how does it do that? It stimulates our immune system, who we are as individuals. That's what a vaccine does in the physical world. If we had that humility vaccine, it would stimulate our immune system to all those things that I've described that go on all around us every single day and we're bombarded with. If we could just get that vaccine... And then the best thing is, that once you get that vaccine, as I mentioned at the beginning, that it is there, and it not only eradicates or addresses the issue right then, but that vaccine is in you, in your heart, let's say, in a spiritual sense, and it identifies and looks towards a threat, 
and will destroy that in the future if it ever comes across that again. The Holy Spirit will speak to us when we have conceit come into our lives, when we have greed come into our lives, when we have situations that are going to bring judgmentalism into our lives. That's when the Holy Spirit works, just like a vaccine to keep us from that. So if you're humble, how can you be selfish? If you're humble, how can you be conceited? If you're humble, how can you be judgmental toward others? You know, humility is really hard in our own strength. But if we look to our Creator who designed us and gave us these unique personalities, these unique skills, and the ability to achieve our dreams, while at the same time looking to Him and valuing others, then why wouldn't we get a humility vaccine? If we would just make that decision, not only would we benefit, but I believe we, this room, it's not have to be a big group. We start with ourselves that we too can transform the world. Thank you for listening to Praise Center Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.